Talking, 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 tunes. Hey, you're listening to Talking Tunes. My name is Vakle and I'm a music producer and the host of this podcast. This is a music podcast series where I invite artists in for a talk about their songwriting and production processes. Each episode is focused on one artist and one song of their choosing. And today I'm having a chat with Sasami. Sasami is a badass multi-instrumentalist and songwriter from America. She has been playing in different bands, but under the name Sasami, she is a solo artist. She does, however, work with a lot of different people on her music to get just the right sound. A few weeks after we recorded the podcast, she released an album also called Sasami. But by the time you're listening to this podcast, it will be out everywhere for you to hear, so just go check it out. The song we're talking about today is on the album as well, and it's called Callus. Girls This podcast is part of Girls Are Awesome, which is a platform and brand dedicated to redefining female representation in the media. We work in a number of ways to create more representation both offline and online, and we do our best to share stories of inspirational women. Our crew is a mix of guys and girls united around the idea that gender should never be a limitation. First up, let's take a short listen to Callis by Sasami. So we are here at Bakken in the meatpacking district in Copenhagen and I'm with Sasami who is going to play a concert here tonight. Can Hello. Just, yes. How are hey. you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Did you come to Copenhagen today? Yesterday. We played at Vega last night and then today at Bakken. Yes. And you're on a tour, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like a short little European tour, like promo tour before the album comes out. So, which is very soon, six days. Yes. It's pretty crazy. It <laughs> is. I lost my calluses for you And you didn't even think to ask me How my day was now leaving Today we're going to talk about one of your older songs. Mm-hmm. It's on the album also. Oh, it is? Mm-hmm. We can talk about why you've heard yes. it for so long. <laughs> yes. So why? Yeah. I mean, so there's like so many different ways of making an album and working with a label. Um, sometimes you have the label first and then they help you pay for the album and you make it. But for me, I made the album first. So um, I've I started the album like over two years ago. So the album was like pretty much done earlier th- last year in 2018. So um, yeah, Callus was released in like May or something of last year. And pretty much all the songs were done by then. And it's just now coming out, so. Cool. Yeah. So you haven't touched them for a year? No, no. They, well, they've been mastered probably since the summer, so. 
That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So you must be excited to get them out finally. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was even, I mean, it was like mastered by my friend when I put it on SoundCloud. Well, friends are good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> friends are people. People are smart. That's very Unless clever. your friends aren't people, which in that case, I don't judge you either. <laughs> <laughs> You had the album and then you waited to find a label for Yeah, I was just I it. was touring so much um and I I funded the album myself from the beginning because it was just a project, like a fun side project. It was never a plan to make an album. Um I was on tour with a, a different band and while I was on tour every time I would come home for a week or a month or something or three days or whatever, I would just instead of using rent money, I would just go into the studio. So I would like crash on someone's couch and then just use my rent money to record in a studio because I recorded the analog so it's pretty expensive to record to tape because you can't overdub stuff for free at your own house or so every time that you want to record anything you have to pay for a studio day you know so and buying tapes are expensive as well I mean the tape itself isn't that expensive but it's more um yeah I think it's just more the studio time because like when you're doing digital then you can like you can record overdubs at a studio that's cheaper or just at your house. And then, you know what I mean? So if you want to do like, if you want to work on a synth track for like 10 hours in your house and get it perfect or whatever, or do some overdubs at your friend's house for free, you know what I mean? Like when you make a record digitally, you're not as responsible for like paying for as much studio time. So yeah, it just, it adds up. So I had to find a label just to get out of debt mostly. (laughs) Do you know how much time you spend in the studio on it? Um, I mean, this you know, there's like so many different parts of making a record. There's like the songwriting, there's writing the arrangements, there's recording everything, there's mixing it, and there's mastering it. So there's like so many phases of doing it. But I would say the like writing and recording was maybe one year, and then the mixing and mastering was maybe half of a year. So maybe like a year and a half it took to make it. When you're mixing an, a track or an album and it's on tape, isn't that hard yeah i mean you definitely have to like be in the studio to mix it you know i mean you can give notes to the person but it depends on how you do it i didn't perform all the mixes live there's you know i we dumped the songs onto logic after we track after we tracked them but the only we did all the eqs and all the panning and everything on the mixing board but then we just used logic to um volumate when you mix on an analog board, you have to perform every single automation, every volume automation, every panning, every effect send, everything that you do um, on, you know, whether you're using Pro Tools or Ableton or Logic or whatever, everything that you do with the with your mouse and, it, and the computer remembers it, you have to physically do that when you're mixing. So if you want to pan something, and, and when you're recording to tape, you only have 16 tracks, right? So that means inevitably you're going to use one track for more than one part. So if there's no synth in one part, but then there's a backing vocal, then you have to record on the same track. So if you have an effect on the synth, but you don't want it on the backing vocal, you have to remember in real time to turn it off. So it's it's really crazy to record, um, to mix, sorry, on the analog board. So we didn't mix all the songs on the board. A lot of them we mixed in Logic, you know, just because it's it's hard to 
to nail the performance of it, especially when you have tons of parts. And because I recorded on a 16 track, there's so few tracks, like every track was full with like three different parts of it. So we would have needed like five people to perform the, the mix of it, you know? Yeah. So, and I was paying for my own studio time. So to me, I, I could really only afford to do it that way. So at least once you do it in the computer, then it remembers the automation, you know? You don't have to perform that. The vocal automation you just click the little dots and it does it for you so yeah yeah so i don't know much about recording on tape mm -hmm. when you record on tape you still get 16 different um audio tracks well it depends on if you're recording on a four track or an eight track 16 track goes up to 32 tracks there may be a 64 track i don't know i, I know the the beatles used to like have smaller track machines but then use multiple of them at the same time so Everyone so has like a different technique. Record, yeah, exactly. And then press at the yeah. same time. And then yeah. there's a lot more like leadering, like cut splicing and taping the tape together when you're doing it analog in a way that when you're digital, you just drag it. <laughs> you just press command S or whatever. Command. Is it command S? I guess they all have different commands, but I yeah. think on Pro Tools it's command S. Split or something. Yeah. And Ableton is command E. Command E, whatever. They all have different commands. Yeah. And you slice them, and then you drag them. But on tape, you have to like physically cut the tape. It's so insane. It's a lot of work. So typically, the reason why I wanted to go on, I wanted to record analog was because I didn't want to have the freedom um, to move stuff around or whatever. I wanted to just perform it well. So there's much more of a pressure to perform well because you can't comp things. You can't auto-tune things. You can't edit it. It's What's there is printed. So I, I liked that. I was very... Um, liberated by the restrictions of recording to tape. It is funny because it sounds like it would be a shorter process because you can't edit that much. Yeah. But I understand that you have to like practice a lot because you want to yeah, do exactly. it perfectly. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of your because that's the part that's free. You practicing and you writing the arrangement is free because you do it on your own time. Once you go in the studio then you're like, okay, it's time to like perform. Whereas sometimes when you're re recording digitally, there's kind of lower stakes. You know, so you're like, oh, I kind of figured it out. I'll fi I'll do 10 takes and then I'll find the right take later. There's not that, that liberty in analog. You know, you really are like, am I going to record over this right now forever or am I going to keep it? Those are your choices. So it's kind of exciting, you know, like it forces you to be bold in your decisions, which I like. You play multiple instruments, right? Mm -hmm. Can you just tell me what you play? And um, I play pretty much all of the rock instruments, like drums pretty rudimentarily and bass and guitar and keys. I studied French horn, so I had to... Um, I studied in conservatory, and when I was there, I, I studied music education, so I had to become proficient in like every instrument, like oboe, bassoon, trumpet, violin piano, whatever. So I can kind of play every like wind instrument and string instrument just very proficiently. But um, I would say French horn and maybe guitar and bass. So yeah. on the album and on Callis, which we're supposed to talk about, yeah. but now we're just talking about the album. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no rules. In yeah, here. <laughs> I didn't play the drums on the record. Um, no. And I didn't I didn't play everything on the record, even though I wrote I wrote all the parts on the record because um, I really wanted to keep the perspective of the producer on the album because for me it was like such an exciting time after being in so many other people's studios to be to have 
sit in the helm and be able to kind of oversee everything. And um, so I think when you play it yourself, you have a little bit of like pride in the part. And I didn't want to be precious about the parts. I wanted to very democratically be like, no, that needs to be up. That's erased. You know what I mean? So sometimes when you don't play it, you have a little bit more perspective. So on this song, I played bass and guitar and synths and sang. And then um, there was another drummer. And then my brother played lead guitar. They're like, they're like really pavement, like feedback stuff. He played that. And he played, um, yeah, he played some guitar stuff. And then Cameron, uh, my brother's name is Juju Ashworth, and he has a band called Froth. Mm -hmm. And then actually his drummer from Froth, Cameron Allen, played drums. So it was just the three of us. That's cozy. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. a producer as well. Or yeah, you so um, I produced it, but then I had um, my brother and then Thomas Dulles, the engineer, also produced it with me. But I was the main main producer on it. You're the one saying yes or no. Yeah, <laughs> and then, you know, it's, it's really, um, it's been a learning experience because... Um, producer is such a ambiguous term and it's it's very important to kind of define the role that you want everyone to play in the beginning because music is it's like it proliferates in an environment where you're comfortable and so sometimes it's easy to not think about those boundaries because you want to keep it loose and keep it light But then later when it's finished, you can run into issues. So it's a really important thing to do is to um, have very clear definitions with the people in the room that you're working with on who's doing what because it can get very sensitive later, you know? So, um, so yeah, yeah, the three of us produced it, though. We all made production contributions. So you guys, like, sat down and had a talk with everyone? Kind of, um, but we kind of talked about it more after the fact after the fact so it was kind of one of those situations because i wasn't making a record i wasn't thinking like i'm the producer you are the engineer i was just like recording one song in february going on tour coming back in june recording two songs going on tour coming. you know what i mean i was yeah. just like recording songs that i had written and done all the arrangements for so but yeah you know we like you, you like discuss like this is what i did on the song this is what i did on the song i think that it's fair blah 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 you know but sometimes if you do it ahead of time it's fresher and in, in your memory it's harder to figure it out afterwards it can get a little intense The song is kind of about the breakdown of like a friendship, I guess. But I mean, that's kind of just what part of the song is about. I think that, do you know what, Um, do you guys have astrology memes here? You know, it's like my Gemini friend, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like a meme. And then um, it has like some stupid thing. And people are like, wow, that's exactly my friend, Jennifer. Like, oh my God, this is exactly me. I think every musician wants their songs to be like an astrology meme. Someone hears it and they're like, that's exactly how I feel, you know? So I don't really like to talk too much about what the song is about because I want, I want people to be able to find their own meaning for themselves. But, you know, whether it's this song or the rest of the album, I think, I think 
one thing that was interesting is whether the song was written about a platonic friend or whether it was about a romantic relationship, a lot of times the theme, the, the experience is very similar when it breaks down. It's fairly heartbreaking to, to have um, struggles in either kind of relationship. So, yeah, this one happens to be kind of more about a platonic relationship. Yeah, I was thinking it was a love song, but I think yeah. See, when you hear music, you I don't know. I always assume it's a love song until I. Well, language of... is purposefully ambiguous, I think, um, because life is so ambiguous, and I think that it's a good thing that it's not so, you know, so defined. Because then, then every kind, then then um, art is non. Um, racial or gender or class or whatever it's just kind of like human and i think that's a good thing it's a good thing that many people can relate to it so you have instruments guitar it's pretty like the normal rock Band, yeah, this song right? has guitar, very bass, drums, like, typical song. guitar instrument, or sorry, rock guitar band instrumentation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but a lot of guitars throughout. Yeah, the album is pretty guitar heavy. You know, the instrument I'm worst at is yeah. guitar. Well, same. That's <laughs> kind of why I wrote a guitar record, because I wanted to make it like an etude for myself to get better at guitar by playing it. So I, when I wrote the album, I was playing um, synth in another band so i was like never playing guitar so every time we would end sound check i would pick up guitar and start writing so it was kind of like me trying to stay in shape on guitar also while i was on tour so yeah ended up being guitar record <laughs> is that how you learn instruments kind of often? just by playing them i mean i went to school for music so i feel i feel like i um i learned the practice of very diligently getting better at an instrument and kind of um, there's a real like trust in yourself to know that even though it sucks right now, if I practice a lot of times tomorrow after a night of sleep, it'll be better tomorrow. And you have to have like faith that it's worth doing the work, even though it sucks and you are embarrassed and you're ashamed of yourself, but the next day it's always getting better. And so I think because I learned that diligence from playing French horn, it's like kind of easy to play other instruments because I'm not like embarrassed if I'm bad. I just know that the only way to get better is to do it. You know, so same with guitar. I just like I had to make an album so that I was forced to play a lot so that I can get better. You can't just magically get good at things. No, that's true. So you don't do a lot of like scales practice yeah. or like technical. Oh, you do yeah. that. Yeah. And it also helps with writing to kind of do the scales and know where on the guitar certain chords are and which notes will work with other with certain chords and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I'm not like great at scales, but I definitely can play like major and minor scale in every every key or like whole tone scale or something, you know. I think that's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's from my classical training, you know. Yeah. Like it's just, but it's funny because when I write, I don't really think about theory when I'm writing the song. I just kind of feel what feels right, you know. Or I can hear it in my head more. And then I just play the notes that I'm hearing on my head on guitar. Some people, I think, they play the guitar until they find the chord. But for me, I like hear it and then I have to find the notes. That's why some of the chords are weird. Uh, 
I'm like a gear slut. I love talking about gear. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, maybe you can just let me know like some of your favorite gear. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still just like learning so much about gear because I spent so much of my life playing French horn, which is an acoustic instrument. So there's no electronics involved. So you don't have gear. You just play good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or you play bad. Um, but, and maybe the closest thing to gear for a French horn is like going into a hall with a lot of like natural reverb. That's like, you know, the OG gear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, now I've, I've been, I've gotten really into, um, to like analog gear just from like working in analog studios and I really want to get this um there's this guy named Skip Simmons in um in California and he like rebuilds amps and preamps and stuff and he takes this like bogan preamp and he does some like custom stuff to it and it's really cool and it kind of works like a distressor um but yeah I don't know I'm, I'm not like a gear genius at all I just like know what I like so I like want to get a piece of gear that helps me to um materialize something that I hear in my head you know right now I'm really stuck on amps I need some I need to get a good amp yeah it's, it's hard to find a good amp because you know they're all like soldered differently and sometimes they get loose and it makes them sound really cool they like like if the um if the tubes are like not soldered properly they sound like broken up and really cool so every amp has its own um like sound even though that's the same model or if it gets broken and someone repairs it it changes the sound so it's really hard to find an amp that is right you know guitar i mean guitars are kind of individual too but i'm on amps right now i'm always learning right now i'm learning more about <laughs> amps <laughs> so you have any favorite amps at the moment mm -hmm. well i recorded a lot on a uh, fender quad reverb it has four i want to say 10 inch speakers in it um And it's the amp that my brother uses on tour a lot. It's really heavy. So it's I can't, pretty big guitar amp, it's right? It's fucking huge. So I can't carry it myself. So I, <laughs> I refuse to have any gear on tour that I can't carry by myself. Um, so still looking. But I think a tube amp for sure. I get the vibe that in general you're into the old school. Yeah. <laughs> you like stuff with a story behind it or just... Yeah. I mean, I like, I like new stuff, but I feel like at least for this album cycle, my songs are very like pure and sentimental. So I want the tones to be the element that's a little bit more fucked up, you know? Yeah. I don't want it to be like the, the songs are very pure and, and um, true and direct. And then all the sounds are very pure and true and direct. It's like too much of the same. I want there to be some contrast because that's like what human nature is like. There's like different textures. So I like using gear that, has kind of more of an individual texture and isn't just so straightforward sometimes. But sometimes, you know, clean is good too. <laughs> Callus has, has a lot of effects on it. Like in terms of a lot of my songs, my vocals have no reverb on them or no delay and like the guitars are di and the drums are really dry like on yeah some of the other songs are like really dry but callus happens to be the one that is probably the most affected um the song starts um technically when i wrote it it was on guitar but um the song is in drop d so the thing about the way that guitars work is they're set up and where all the frets are, are very true to an open E, like the the normal E standard tuning. So when you start detuning, it actually really fucks with the intonation because it's not created 
for that. You know what I mean? Like when a guitar, when a luthier or a guitar maker makes a guitar, it's made for standard E. So if you're if you're like a really famous rich guitar player and you have your own guitar for every different tuning, then you would have it set up with that tuning. So for me, playing in drop D on guitar is kind of weird because if I if the D is in tune, the open D is in tune, then the rest of the frets are kind of out of tune. So what I did, because it wasn't it wasn't really in tune, I ended up playing it on the bass but using one of the higher strings. So it kind of sounds like the low string of a guitar, but it's a higher string on the bass because I didn't have to detune anything because it was like, you know what I'm saying? So it opens with bass and the bass... Um, that part and the guitar bar are through like a tape uh, space echo, Roland space echo. So that's why it has that kind of like delay sound on it. Very like groupery. Do you know the band Grouper? I think she uses space echo, but it has a very like kind of that sound on the guitars. I think space echo is not something that I use a lot. Yeah. I don't think it's something that like digital. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's more of like a likes. more of like a guitar tone, I think. But it sounds really good on vocals and stuff too. It does. Yeah. I'll try awesome it on vocals. And there's plugins of it. So if you use Ableton, do you use Ableton? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm sure they have a Roland Space Echo plugin. 100% yeah. for sure. It's really cool. I'll check it out. It has a good sound. And it's really funny because if you use the plugin version, you can see the little like tape spinning. You know how they have like the simulator thing so you can like pretend like you're looking at tapes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you can pretend you're rich and you yeah, actually exactly. own it. But I know. Then it's expensive. like a tiny. Yeah. And do you know the band The OCs? They're like a rock band. No. There's this this is rock band called the OCs and the guy like brings this, the tape echo on tour, like just for his vocals. I'm jealous. I'm like, that's pimp. That's really, that's, that's really, really cool. cool. Yeah. But they also are like break so easily and like, yeah. you know, but he probably has like five of them. So. So in general, playing outboard gear is very expensive. Yeah, Do you definitely. own a lot yourself or is that, that's like part of the studio, you pick yeah, studios I pick from studios the gear. That ha yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why I've become a gear slut is because I actually have to know the gear that I want in the studios that I want to use, you know. So I'm still learning a lot right now, but that's why I ended up working with my brother a lot too, because he made like three records to tape before I made mine in the same studio. So he has a lot of experience with the gear. So it was really fun to work with him. And um, he and I have really similar taste and like respect each other a lot. So that's perfect. Yeah, he's like a human cheat code. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so Callus is very um, explosive is what I wanted to say earlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like when there's not a lot of drums, but when they are there right. and those parts are just like in the volume, it seems uh, more loud. And when it's the verse, it's very quiet. You know, I always say that when I'm writing a song, there's like two parts. There's like the emotional writing of the lyrics on the song. And then there's like the crafting of the arrangement and like the drum part and like all the tones and the harmonies and like how the, you know, progression of the song, the narrative of the song is going to go. It's like kind of two parts of it. And I feel like even though I compartmentalize those two parts, inevitably the lyrics kind of affect what the arc of the song is going to be and when there's going to be a heavy moment and when there's going to be light moments and I really think that um yeah in this song it's like kind of like this like big sigh you know every time the chorus comes and it's like I think the lyrics are like 
when I look back, I can see myself slipping down, you know? So it's kind of like this, like, slipping down, this, like, kind of, like, release, like, ugh, like I'm admitting, I'm getting this off my chest. I, I can see that, like, I've let this go on for too long or something like that. So, and I just, like, I, all my background is playing in an orchestra. And if you think that a rock band can be dynamic, an orchestra can be, go from one clarinet player playing to the whole entire 100 piece orchestra playing as loud as they can. You know, it's like the ultimate dynamics more than any other plugin could make in the whole entire world, you know? So that's like what I'm used to in terms of dynamic shift. If you've ever listened to a classical piece in the car, you're always up and down and up and down, you know, because it's like really quiet and then super loud. I mean, pop and rock songs are compressed so much that if you listen to it in the radio, it's like it, you don't have to yeah, really fiddle with it that much. This song isn't, it's really, it's actually funny because of that, because the standard is to just compress the fuck out of everything. So it's just like a brick of sound. Um, Callus was kind of an issue for the mastering engineer because he didn't want to compress it. He loved how disparate the two parts were. But then when it was put into like Spotify or something, they have an algorithm that puts the whole thing down based on the max volume. So it made the other part so quiet. So I ended up having to compress it a little bit just to like kind of balance it. So yeah, it's there's so many things to think about. You never stop learning when you're in this process. Be, because there's so, especially like with the different formats of like vinyl and like online streaming and like, I guess, tapes or um, like it being in a film score and a commercial. There's so many different formats or like live music, you know, there's so many different ways to project music. So there's like so many different elements you have to think of all the time. And like for me, I kind of my barometer for like whether I think it's appropriate is like basically how it sounds on an iPhone speaker. I'm like, if it sounds good on an iPhone speaker, it's going to sound good everywhere because it's like the shittiest. Yeah. <laughs> There's like no bass or anything like that. So it's it sounds the old school decent. way would be play, playing it in the car. Yeah, exactly. I but think. the car is almost too good. Yeah, it is too good now. But <laughs> so it wasn't like back in the day. Every once in a while. I mean, I catch myself listening to music on the iPhone speaker all the time. So I'm like, if I do it, people really must do it a lot. It's funny you mentioned that uh, when you play classical music, you turn the volume up and down because yeah. I actually did it when I heard so, Callus. Well, earlier that's the today. thing. I ended up saying, don't compress it too much because I want people to have to turn it down. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I was like, I want people to be like, I can't hear it. And they'd be like, oh, fuck, I have to turn it down at the chorus. Oh, it's like exactly that. me. <laughs> I like that. I think it's good in, a, in an age where everything is so homogenized to keep people on their toes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you did. Good. <laughs> Even though I knew it was coming, but yeah. I was like, because I was trying to listen to the details, yeah, of course, beco sure. before talking to you. And yeah. and I was like, I know it's coming, but I just had to turn it like way up in totally. the first verse. <laughs> and it and was, like, was like, crazy. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I survived. Nice. See, it's very nice. Today. I really, yeah, I really like uh, tracks with like volume differences in that yeah. way as well. Well, it's funny too, because like I put that song out. It's so It's so weird how like, Culture affects art and art, you know, art imitates culture, culture imitates art, whatever. They like life imitates art. That whole fucking saying. Anyways, like 
um, when I was when I made the song, I was like, this can never be a single, you know, because it's like the the volume is so up and down, and the outro is like this long synth outro. And so I was like, that's why I put it out on SoundCloud before I had a label or anything like that. I just put it on SoundCloud because I was like, this is never going to be a single. Because like now I feel like the focus is so much like it has to be three minutes long and it can't have any big volume jumps and it has to have a hook. And like, you know what I mean? Like there's so many things where like they want it to fit into this like category or whatever. So that's why I was really shocked when people liked Callus because um, I was just... I thought of it kind of as a little bit of a rebellious song in that way that it wasn't fitting into the format, but it's exciting to know that people still really appreciate that. Yeah, I think know. maybe it's exactly what people need. Um, so how many songs are on the album? Um, there are 13 songs that I recorded for the album and I think only 10 on the album, but then there will be potentially some released in the future so 10 on this album though i think cool a solid five and five and yeah. it's a general thing that you're not mastering too heavily um or compressing too much well i mean it's really interesting too because like the same thing with the producers thing it's like just to make one record you have to work with so many people it's like mastering engineers like you know different musicians and different like producers and engineers and like uh you know there's just like so many p different people with different opinions on things like that and the particular um jeff lipton who mastered it really just he was like people don't make records like this with all these dynamics anymore like i do not want to compress it and part of me was like but i want it to sound good on the radio but then i also respect that he respects me i'm so conflicted you know what i mean like I don't know. So it was kind of interesting. I think we met in a middle ground. <laughs> it's not like pop compressed, but it's compressed enough that if it's if it comes on a playlist, it's not like so much quieter and then really loud. Whereas I compressed it more for the digital versions and less for the vinyl version. Because I assume that if you're listening to it um, on a record player, you're probably in an environment where you're listening carefully. So do you have any final advice? Um, I guess I would just say um, don't be afraid to make... I mean, it's really interesting because I at first was really embarrassed because my demos are all recorded on GarageBand on my, um, on my iPad. Even though I record everything to tape and I'm like obsessed with tape compression and good tone and all, and all this stuff, like, um, and like, auth like authenticity of like the like integrity of the sound and everything. I make everything on my iPad because I was on tour. And also I like how quickly you can do things. Like you, I have like 10 ideas and I can do them really fast. I don't have to like change the tape or bounce it all down to one track so I have more space. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the workflow is so much faster. So um, I guess I would just say like don't be afraid to be really experimental in your demos. Because yeah, that's like your sacred space where you get to do whatever you want. I definitely, I think it took me a long time to write songs because I was so embarrassed of how bad my demos were. I think you have to like just trust that when you get into the studio, you can like, I don't, I don't know, maybe that's not the best advice because I think, I do think there is a lot of um, something good about preparing a lot before you get into the studio. But I think it's, I think I just more mean like in a general way, like don't be afraid to practice a lot. Don't be afraid to make demos that don't sound good. Like 
you know what I mean? Like I think if I, if anything I've I've learned by doing and I think it's really good to learn by doing and I hope that it it's easier in the digital era to to work on it without investing so much. So I would just say anyone everyone should be making demos. Everyone should be writing songs, you know. It's it's something that you only get good at by by doing. So that's my advice. Cool. I think we'll f- end on that. Cool. Thanks um, for having me. Thank you for sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> to the people listening, we're going to take a full listen through the song Callous by Sasami and enjoy. <laughs> 